in the morning worship service, baptizing three, and this evening we have five to baptize, continuing that sacred ordinance. And, and let me just say from the outset that we always have plenty of water, and if Jesus is in your heart and you want to testify to him publicly, you come forward at this evening, at the conclusion of this evening's worship service, and uh, share that with us, with your church family. And we will follow up with you and love you and encourage you and uh, share with you how to grow in your relationship with him. And that first step being following him in obedience in baptism. I'd like to begin this evening's service in prayer. Will you bow with me? Father, as we gather tonight to worship you again, we thank you for those who, who read the Bible and who understood that baptism follows one's profession of faith. And that everyone who was baptized in the New Testament was done so by immersion. And for the three this morning and the five this evening who are following you in that, in that ordinance, we ask that you would bless them and encourage them and help us as a church family to remember our own baptism, what it meant then and what it means now, and help us to make sacred commitments that last forever. So bless these who are following you in obedience and all of us who are worshiping you and participating with them by being here this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To help you get to know these five better, we have a video of all eight of them. And you'll see little bits of of each person uh, as we show that video now. Well, I accepted Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I just, I was thinking about it. I had been thinking about it for a while and just never could find the right time. And I just felt like I should do it. I was saved that simply because I wanted to be with God. At the end of the service, um, that I wanted to go forward and and had Jesus in my heart. Well, in sixth grade, they talked to us about it, and I wasn't sure, so I just did it, did it, to do it. Now I realize it's much more than that. Well, to me, it means that I'm a child of God and that I live by Him now, and I have a new life as a Christian. It was, we were singing songs, and it was the night where they asked anybody who wanted to be saved to raise their hand and I had already got saved and I was crying I was crying during one of the songs and Miss Donnellan took me out and let me walk with Miss Rachel and she told me she just asked me if I had already been saved and I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, well, the next step is to be baptized. And then she asked me if I wanted to be baptized. And I said, I said yes, ma'am. Because I've asked Jesus into my heart. I'm uh, so you can go to heaven. Our family's been going through some hard times and we needed a savior. So I turned to Christ. Um, well, you get baptized to show that you're going to follow Jesus. Well, 
so we can live like Him and teach others about God so they'll know about Him. To um, show everybody that I have accepted Jesus into my heart. It symbolizes you believe in God and sets role models for others. I felt some changes and um, I feel like He's going to open some doors for me now just knowing that He's there and how great it feels. That Jesus Christ helped me and I want to praise Him and keep Him wherever I go. He's with me whenever I, wherever I am, whenever time. Let Jesus in your heart. He will save you. He will keep you safe no matter what. This is my sister in Christ, Claire Hoffman. Let me invite her family and friends gathered here tonight to witness this, to stand with us at this time. And Claire, it's my privilege to ask you, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? I do. Then obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in Him, I baptize you, Claire Grace Hoffman, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Claire, having been buried with Christ in death, you can rise now and walk a new life with Him. This is Ben and Coley Miller, brother and sister. I invited them into the baptistry at the same time with their family and friends and those who've shared with them and witnessed to them. Stand at this time, please. Ben, I have the opportunity before these witnesses to ask you, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? I do. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you, Benjamin Clark Miller, Spirit. Ben, having been buried with Christ in death, you can rise and walk a new life with him. And this is Coley Miller and her family and friends and those who've witnessed and shared with her are still standing. Others feel free too. Coley, I have the privilege of asking you, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? I do. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, Amber Nicole Miller, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Coley, you've been buried with Christ in death. Right now, walk a new life with him. This is my new sister in Christ, Liz Mock. Let me invite her family and friends gathered to witness this to stand at this time. Elizabeth, it's my privilege to ask you, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? I do. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, Elizabeth Mock, my sister, 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Liz, you've been buried with Christ in death. Rise and walk a new life with Him. I'm so pleased to be able to invite Ryan Ross's uncle, Andy Cargyle, here to baptize him. Andy is an ordained Baptist minister from Blackshear, and I believe used to be a member at Gary's Church at First Baptist. Uh, would Ryan's family go ahead and stand at this time as Andy and Ryan come and make preparation? Ryan, it's my privilege, buddy, to be able to baptize you uh, tonight. I know everyone's seen the video, but I'll ask you one more time. Um, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I do. Well, in obedience to His command and on your profession of faith, I baptize you, Ryan, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are buried with Him. And raise with him to walk in newness of life. Everybody said, Amen. Wow. Wouldn't want to miss this service tonight. What an exciting time. What a wonderful way to begin our time of worship together. Uh, we know we have special guests with us anytime we have uh, a baptism service. And in just a moment, we'll greet our guests and everyone in, a, in an official way. I want to just highlight for you quickly several important announcements that are going on in the life of our church. One of the exciting ministries that has been going on for years but has been expanding recently is the prayer ministry. And you'll just notice some little cards in front of you in the pews. If you have a special prayer need tonight and you would like our team who's right now praying for the service to join you in prayer, just fill out this card and drop it in the offering plate when it's passed and, and they'll be taken over there and, and uh, they'll be praying for you and even during this service. This is an exciting time of, of year. This week we have a, a lot of great things going on. The one of those is an outreach to our folks in nursing homes and, and um, retirement-assisted living communities. That'll be this Thursday, December the 1st, will be the extension Christmas lunch. And then Friday, on um, December the 2nd, will be the Celebrate Jesus birthday party for, for children and families. And So that's going to be an exciting thing. And then next Sunday morning, we're going to have missionaries with us to kick off the week of Prayer for International Missions, uh, Daniel and Sky Scott, missionaries to Zambia, are going to be here. Next Sunday afternoon and evening, we'll enjoy the ministry of our uh, First Baptist Sanctuary Choir and ABAC Chorale and First Methodist. We'll be here to present the Messiah at 3 and 7 p.m. So a lot of wonderful, exciting things going on in the life of our church. Of course, when we think about Christmas, we think about missions. And uh, so we will kick off, as I said, the week of prayer. And our goal for, for the month of December is to raise $58,000 for international missions. 
There are also a couple of mission trips that are coming up fairly soon. There's one in January to Jamaica and one later on in spring break uh, to Peru. So if you're interested in those, uh, please contact either John Farah or Jason Upshaw. If you're interested in literacy missions, uh, contact Dana Hughes. She can clue you in about some opportunities there. Well, uh, we're delighted that you're here to worship with us tonight. And our custom here at First Baptist, in just a moment, our ushers are going to come forward and they're going to have some information uh, for you as a guest. Uh, also inside that little brochure is a little uh, registration card. If you'd fill that out and drop it in the offering plate when it's passed a little later on, we'll appreciate that. We'll have a record of your, your visit with us. I want to invite our members now to stand. Guests remain seated. And let's greet everyone and especially our guests that are here tonight. I'm Wayne Whittle, disciple of Jesus Christ, member of First Baptist Church here in Tifton, Georgia. And we'd love to have you come join us this morning. I invite you, no, I encourage you to come be with us on Sunday morning. But I'd submit to you that there are three components to our relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, His Son. The first is worship. It says in the Bible that Jesus was a church gourd. you know that? In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, He says... He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. If Jesus saw it fit to come to church, maybe we should too make it a matter of importance. The second component is discipleship. After all, it wasn't Jesus and the twelve dudes, it was Jesus and the twelve disciples. Remember the familiar verse, Matthew 28, 19, he said, Therefore go and make disciples. There's nothing like being in a small group discussion like Sunday school class where you're sharing with one another, praying for one another. There's one thing we all have in common, and that's challenges or problems. The third component is service. You know, the moment that you get saved, God equips you as a believer with spiritual gifts, all to provide ministry, to edify Him. So if you're missing either one of those, worship, discipleship, or service, I'd submit to you that you're not living up to that abundant life that Jesus promises. We'd love to have you come join us. Visit our website at fbctipton.org or give us a call. We've got someone standing by. If you need prayer or if you'd like more information, it's 382-6063. We hope to see you Sunday. We've got a chair waiting on you. you this evening? Good. I tell you, it's always fun to be in the baptistry, and, and we'll just keep it full. And if y'all want to do this again next Sunday, we're, we're more than willing to accommodate. So uh, we just hope God continues to bless us with new members and professions of faith and the opportunity to, to be faithful and serve him, especially in this Christmas season. We want to be mindful of these who have special prayer needs tonight. Hospitalized church members include Tommy Tucker, and we are told she's improving, and we're, we're grateful for that. Home is Virginia Dormany, 
and Jane Hampton, now at Sonia's house, and Nona Jones. And we want to express Christian sympathy to Robert and Betsy Schott in the death of her mother, Helen Bedsoul Mundy of New Smyrna Beach, Florida, and to J.C. and Joe Bell in the death of her mother, Miss Lois Rodewalt, and arrangements will be at a later date in Kansas. We want to be praying for these. Shall we bow together? Father, as we gather here to witness baptism and to talk about it and why it's important and what it means to each one of us, let it be something that's just not on the fringe that we do because we're called Baptists, but something that's the heart and soul of what we believe and why we believe it. Because we believe this is what the Bible teaches and this is the pattern of Jesus and all those who followed him in obedience in the pages of Scripture use this mode in practice. Let baptism be meaningful for us, even if we were baptized 60 years ago. Make it as new and fresh tonight as the night we walked through those waters ourselves and said we believe in Jesus. We pray for these who are hospitalized. Miss Tommy, we pray you continue to clear her lungs and strengthen her. For these who've been hospitalized in their home now, we pray you continue to heal and improve them and be with Betsy Showed especially and, and Joe Bell especially in the loss of their mothers and bring them comfort and strength and assurance of life everlasting for those they love and for all who know and love you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning in the 11 o'clock service I shared from Isaiah 7.14 that one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Another one of the names of Jesus is Rose of Sharon. Now that's kind of an interesting name that uh, we have. And in Isaiah 11.1, Scripture says, a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Well, this 15th century German hymn writer took this concept and said that this shoot could be called a rose, and wrote, lo, how a rose ere blooming, a great Advent carol for us to sing. I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing number 78. Lo, how a rose air blooming.
Father, young are being saved and baptized. Our seniors will bless us with song. Brother Wayne will bring the word that you've laid upon his heart. And we pray that you take his mind and think with it in his mouth and speak through it so that we might take what you say, apply to our hearts and to our lives, so that others may see you. And I pray at this time, as we come to this point in the service, to where we have an opportunity to return to you that is which is already yours. I pray that you be with each one that gives, be with them, and bless them. Be with those of our church that distribute these offerings, knowing that it is indeed an awesome task. Bless them and give them wisdom. These things we pray in your name. Amen.
key joyful sound. And I have loved the uh, Christmas carols we've sung today, getting in, in the spirit and in the mood. And we have to start early. Let me remind you, if you have not picked up an Advent devotional booklet, do so before you leave here this evening, because the first one is by Virginia Dormany. And uh, you don't want to miss it. So if you'll pick that up, and you can have a quiet time every evening or any time during the day and use devotions written by church members and illustrated by our children to help guide you in your devotions. What being Baptist means, John 3, verses 1 through 10. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee, and this is what it says. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, or some translations say born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born anew. The wind blows where it wills and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know whence it comes or whither it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can this be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand this? And then Jesus goes on and at the conclusion... John 3.16, for God so loves the world. Shall we bow together? Father, for some reason, we've seen three baptized this morning and five this evening. Why is that so important? What does it mean? And how does that help us follow you more closely? Teach us about what's important and why it's important. And help us incorporate that into our lives and let everything else disappear so we can focus on you and your will for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was talking to a young lady recently in another town, and we got onto the subject of church and where you went to church. I happened to mention I was a a Baptist pastor And with just a hint of haughtiness, no, it was a lot of haughtiness, she told me that she belonged to a non-denominational church. She said, we don't go in for those denominational labels at our church, we just believe the Bible and love Jesus. And something about that just grated on me. And I think I said something like, well, I knew she'd never be a church member, she wasn't from Tifton, so I said, if you can't be a Baptist, I guess that's the next best thing. Non-denominational churches, I don't know if you've noticed it, they're all the rage these days. Church growth experts tell us that denominational labels are a liability. The name Baptist carries such baggage that the average unchurched person on the street is wary of it. So some of the largest Baptist churches in America, as well as a host of a lot of new Baptist church starts, 
are Baptist, but you would never know it by their name. They've dropped the name Baptist altogether. So if I made the suggestion that we change First Baptist Church Tifton, Georgia to Tift Regional Community Church, what would you think? A lot of heads shaking their heads, no. Yeah. Well, I agree with you because I'm not ashamed of being a Baptist. I'm not ashamed of the banner. Because actually the root meaning of denomination means name. So being non-denominational simply means that you belong to a no-name church. And I believe in truth and advertising. I want to know what the church stands for that I attend, and I'm proud of what being a Baptist means. Of course, in fairness, being Baptist or just displaying the Baptist name doesn't resolve all the issues because there are all kinds of Baptists, all stripes and ilks of every kind. I looked on the internet. There are Republicans, Democrats, even people from Tennessee who are Baptists. (laughs) Bill Clinton, Al Gore are Baptists. Jesse Jackson and Eddie Murphy are Baptists. Jimmy Carter, Sonny Perdue, Nathan Deal, all Baptists. So if political and theological extremes define the playing field, what do Baptists have in common? What are the core convictions that define us as being Baptist? And does it matter? I believe it does. Not because being Baptist is important, but because being in a relationship with Jesus is what's important. And for me, being Baptist is the way that comes about. I remember in seminary, we had a friend named Andy Manis, and he was from a Greek Orthodox background, and he was at Southern Baptist Seminary. I said, what are you doing here? He said, I got the Bible out, and I started studying the Bible. And he said, as I concluded my study, I believe the Baptist denomination is the closest to Scripture, the closest to following the guidelines of of Scripture that there is. So I got to thinking about Baptist history and how we got our start recovering neglected biblical truths that are crucial to growing committed Christians. If you were to go out and ask a Baptist what being a Baptist means, you'd get a lot of answers. But most people would tell you that being Baptist means you've been dumped. Is usually what I hear people say. One of my favorite authors is John Grisham, and he wrote a book called Painted House. Have y'all read that? The Painted House? Uh, He tells a story of a seven-year-old named Luke who grew up on an Arkansas cotton farm. Luke is a Baptist, and from time to time he offers observations about his, his family and their faith. He said, here's one, the line between Baptist and Methodist was never straight and true. Their worship was slightly different with the ritual of sprinkling like babies, little babies being the most flagrant deviation from Scripture. And and Grisham writes, they didn't meet as often, which of course meant they weren't as serious about their faith. Nobody met as much as Baptists. We took pride in constant worship. Pearl Watson was my favorite Methodist. She said she'd like to be a Baptist, but she just wasn't physically able. So Luke identified two traits of being Baptist right there. First of of all, they they tend to be busy. And second, they baptize in a distinctive way. And when he talked about the latter, he hit upon a bedrock principle all Baptists share. We don't baptize babies. We only baptize believers. So what makes Baptists unique? Well, we immerse people instead of sprinkling them. Yet even for the very earliest of Baptists back in England in the 1600s, 
the mode of baptism wasn't as important as the when. John Smith was the first English Baptist. And he, baptized, he couldn't find anybody to baptize him by immersion, so he baptized himself. And then he started baptizing other believers. And he did it by pouring water over their head rather than immersion. What was important for Smith is that they did it after they made their profession of faith in Jesus Christ, not before. So as generations passed, believers' baptism by immersion became the norm. And that's as it should be because believers' baptism by immersion is what we read in the, in the pages of the New Testament. English-speaking Baptists got their start not by installing a fiberglass baptistry, but by insisting that one becomes a Christian through a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and inviting him into their heart to be their Lord and Savior. You don't inherit your faith from your parents along with the silver in China. It just doesn't work like that. What was it Jesus said to Nicodemus? He said, you must be born again or you must be born anew. And Jesus said this to one of the most religious men in the realm in that day. He was a Pharisee. He had devoted his life to studying scriptures. And Jesus is basically saying, you're going to have to take everything you have read and studied and learned your entire life and throw that out and start completely over again. Nicodemus saw something in Jesus that he was missing in his life. And so it says he comes to Jesus under cover of night. Sometimes John uses the light darkness as symbols So maybe it was nighttime, or maybe it was night in Nicodemus' soul that he came to Jesus and inquired, Who are you, and why are you doing what you're doing? Jesus didn't mince words. Instead, he threw Nicodemus down with a body tackle, basically, and he said, Nicodemus, start dabbling. Stop dabbling with religion and get born again. Start over. I read that and I wonder, have you been born anew? Have you been born again? I know Jimmy Carter made that, that terminology famous when he said he had been born again. And newspaper reporters went scrambling to find out what in the world that meant. But they came from the mouth of Jesus and they put into words what is indescribable. Moving beyond religion to having a relationship with Jesus Christ. One day a Vietnam veteran came home, and when he got home, everybody noticed that he was somehow different. He didn't see it in himself, but everyone around him did. In his dreams, in his waking moments, he was haunted by the terror and violence of war, and there was such violence in Vietnam, and those guys came home to a country that didn't understand why they were fighting and didn't appreciate it, and they were caught in no man's land, and it was a terrible time for those guys. Shame on us. Returning to the States, he visited a girl that he had written while in Vietnam, and she noticed the difference and suggested that they go to church. And he agreed. And during the service, the young man was so preoccupied with his thoughts, trying to shake the demons that were tormenting him, he didn't hear a word the preacher uttered. But despite that fact, the Spirit of God was working on him, And the preacher said, if you have something you need to leave with Jesus, then this is the time for you to do it. Suddenly, trembling and fighting back tears, the young man knew he had some stuff 
terrible stuff he needed to leave with Jesus. But he couldn't pry his fingers free from the pew that he was pressing into in front of him. But after he left church that day, he decided that he would leave his troubles with with Jesus because he was tired of carrying them himself. And after that, everybody said he was getting back to his old self again, or maybe his new self, because the man had been reborn. I was seven years old when I, like Nicodemus, heard Jesus first call my name. I don't remember all the particulars, but I remember it was in Oakhurst Baptist Church in Decatur. And it was one night after revival service, and I heard an unseen friend calling me forward. And I talked to my parents about it, and they said I was too young to join the church. Well, then they shouldn't have taken me back to revival the next night. Because I jumped out before they could grab me. And I've been following him ever, ever since. And sometimes closer, sometimes far away, but always following. Different people come to faith in different ways. There's no one right way to do it. It's not a one-size-fits-all deal. The Spirit is like the wind, says Jesus, very real and yet a mystery. But for Baptists, as for all believers, the heart of faith is an encounter and a relationship with Jesus that concludes this encounter For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, that means anybody can believe in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. In two important ways, Baptists put this personal nature of faith front and center. And the first one is this. We believe in the lordship of Jesus Christ, not in any creed. Jesus is the center of our faith. The Bible is all the creed we need. At best, Baptists have said, our confession of faith is Jesus is Lord. Leave it at that. Everything that follows is just fine print. Jesus is Lord. Everything else is negotiable and changes with the ages, but a personal commitment with Jesus as Lord and Savior remains the center of our faith, and this Bible tells us How that comes about in this Bible is our creed. Years ago, a minister was seeking to determine a woman's fitness for membership in the Church of Scotland. And he kept asking theological question after theological question. And finally, at the end, she got weary of all the grilling. And she said, sir, I can't answer all your hard questions. I only know that Jesus died for me and I would give my life for him. That's all it takes, friends. Clinging to Christ in love. That's all that matters. And so we believe in a faith that's relational and not creedal. And the personal nature of our faith in the practice of baptism. That's how we got our name, Baptist. Originally, it was called, we were called Anabaptist, which means to baptize again. And it was a term that everybody used to make fun of us because they considered being baptized as babies, the first baptism, and the immersion, the second baptism, so we were baptizing a second time. We were baptizing again, or Anabaptist. But those early Baptists did so because they took Jesus at his word when he said, you must be born again. I'll have to admit, we Baptists have gotten a lot of things wrong. Often in the public eye, we are viewed as being narrow and negative and cantankerous. But I believe on this matter of baptism, we got something right. 
Babies can't wade into the baptistry. Only believers can do that because only believers can give their hearts to Jesus. Anne Lamont wrote a book entitled Traveling Mercies. And in it, she talked about the moving experience of baptism, which she had. She's terribly, un- terribly self-conscious, if you know anything about her, about her frizzy, untamable hair. And since her hair is even more unmanageable when wet, she imagined all these fears that would happen when she was baptized. She said her bangs would shrink into dangling fern fawns, making her head look like a hanging plant. So imagine the horror of being baptized, of getting all wet and ugly right there in front of God and everybody. And yet, isn't that part of what being baptized is all about? Being obedient, laying all pretense aside and humbling ourselves in the presence of God and the church family. This willingness to be accepted by God, even when you feel your absolute worst. That's what it's all about. And Lamont writes, there's something so tender about this to me, about being willing to have your makeup wash off, your eyes tear up and your nose start to run. It's tender partly because it harkens back to infancy, to your mother washing your face with love and water, tending to you, making you clean all over again. And in the Christian experience of baptism, the hope is that when you go under and come out, maybe a little disoriented, you haven't dragged the old along behind you. The hope, the belief is that a new day is now upon you, a day when you are emboldened to take God at his word, when he said, when thou passest through the water, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. If you've been baptized, you can attest the strange healing power that the baptismal waters have when they drench your hair and swirl about your waist and fill in between your toes. For that means absolutely all of you has been known and loved by God so that when you come out of the waters, the secret is out. You are a new creature. You are reborn because in your heart, Jesus lives A Baptist is someone who has made a response of love and trust to Jesus and has made that commitment real and concrete in the waters of baptism. Maybe you want to be one of those this evening. Maybe this evening, like that Vietnam vet, you have something you need to leave with Jesus. As the preacher said, now's the time to do it. For Jesus says to you, as he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And as any true Baptist can tell you, the next move is yours and only yours. Shall we pray? Father, sometimes we trot people through baptism so quickly we forget what it means. But you have told us time and again what happens in heaven when one who is lost is found. And there is such celebration and rejoicing going on all around us. And sometimes we just Go through the motions and forget how significant it truly is 
to be in that transition, to have your sins forgiven and washed away, and to come up from the waters as a new creature. The old, dead, and left behind. The new, just starting. For these who've been baptized today, we pray that they will follow you throughout their lives and on into eternity, growing in their relationship with you every day. And that we as a church family will conduct ourselves in such a way that will encourage them and teach them and hold them accountable and help them in every way possible to know you deeper and more intimately and to love you more fully than ever before. Father, if there's anyone here tonight who doesn't know you, Maybe tonight they have something they need to turn over to you. Their past, their sin. Find forgiveness and cleansing. And a new walk with you. Let tonight be that night we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Number 305 is our invitational hymn, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. It's a decision we believe that you have to make and only you can make it for yourself. You don't make it because a brother or sister made it or because a parent or grandparent told you to or because you became a certain age. You made it because you decided to follow Jesus. And once you've decided...